You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange, where we meet the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. This week on the podcast, we welcome an absolute legend. It's Black Coffee. For me, DJing is is such a, a spiritual healing thing. I always feel like it's a power I possess to get there and connect and bring beautiful emotions, love, peace, and just healing. I watch people when I play and I get so much satisfaction when I see what the music does to them. I feel like Black Coffee needs very little introduction. He is widely known as a South African house music icon with a shining legacy and an admirable commitment to emerging artists and supporting local talent. His new album, Subconsciously, is coming very soon and the features on the record align huge international stars like Diplo, Usher and Pharrell alongside exciting newer names such as Masaki, Celeste and Telemann. As you're about to hear, Black Coffee and I spoke about translating the special energy of an intimate DJ set to an enormous festival stage, of South Africa's confidence in new artists and new sounds, and the importance of putting the hours in when developing your craft. Black Coffee, thank you so much for joining us on the RA Exchange podcast. Would you be able to set the scene for me and tell everyone where you are right now and what has today had in store? Um, I'm currently in a province called Limpompo. Uh, It's outside Johannesburg, two and a half hours drive outside Johannesburg. I, I came for a safari. I came with my brother and my son and my nephew. So I'm here and tomorrow. I'm here for two nights. Did you manage to get out there today and see any animals? We did. We did a drive in the morning. Um, we left the, um, the lodge at five. Uh, after two hours of trekking, we saw a lion. We actually saw a lion kill. Yeah, it, was my f- it was my first time seeing a lion. Was my first one, first time seeing a lion kill as well. Mm, that's major. You know, it was amazing. You know, it's really nice. Um, um, I've I've been to the same safari, um, and I wasn't lucky. Uh, I've been to uh, like two other ones before, and I actually had never been lucky to see a lion. And like, so it was a big thing for me, just even through binoculars, because at first it was a bit far. It was a lioness. It was just resting, you know, just to sit, you know, uh, such a big thing. And uh, then it started moving, but there was like a lot of like uh, water hodge, uh, hodgehogs like around. Um, and one wasn't lucky. Yeah. It, it became a, became a, a breakfast <laughs> um so we are gonna 
hear all about your brand new album today but before we do I'd love it if you could take me back to start with and we'll just go through your kind of journey so far briefly um so if you would be so kind I would love to hear what is your earliest memory connected to sound or music um it would be my my uncle my uncle uh this is my my dad's brother younger brother used to love reggae music and um he had like a big collection of like records and cassettes of like reggae music and uh, he used to play it a lot loud in his room and i mean growing up in the same house uh hold with him we started like knowing the songs you know and like every now and then when he was playing this stuff he would play some disco you know uh whatever that like that was dance music at the time you know and so we would all gather as kids and just outside and then you know just dance to the music and you know, that's something I, I really loved doing as a kid. So I was that kid that was known, you know, to be like sort of like a great dancer, you know, and something I was very much interested in, you know. That's how I connected to music. It was just more for dancing, you know. It just I just loved music from that perspective, you know. Um, and so I didn't know that I would have even a much more deeper relationship with it other than just, you know, dancing to it. And so that's how it started. You know, then uh, growing up, um, I used to listen to radio and I had like different cassette tapes where I would just record songs on radio. So I had like compilations and compilations of these songs. Like I literally wait for the beginning, the intro. If it sounds good, whether I know it or not, I press record, you know? Um, so I had a lot of these tapes like with songs that, you know, that were from radio that I didn't know that then I would play and started knowing, you know, then I had my own like collection of all these songs. You know, um, and then fast forward to um, school. They in school, then they introduced a, a music class for the first time. They were like, "We have a new teacher. She's going to be teaching music. So if any of you guys are interested in being in the music class," and I was like, one of those, you know. Um, so I did I did music a music class where I used to play recorders uh, in the class and just learn theory of music and I did that all the way until I finished um, high school. Mm. By then I had done so many things, you know, that were music related. Dancing still included. We used to have a group like a dancing group because uh, I grew up in a small town, uh, so. We used to dance in like beauty pageants. In fact, how it started, the choir, our school choir, had a trip and needed to raise money. And the, one of the ideas was we make a beauty pageant. 
so that we can raise money for the choir to go. So all all of us in the choir had to kind of like participate you know, on the program. And so me and my other friend said we would dance. So we created a dancing group with the third guy who wasn't in the in the in the choir. And uh, so when it was time for us to to, to dance, um, people went and we danced after they announced the winner. And so it was like we were closing the show and we had never done it before. It was our first time. As soon as the song started, people like lost their minds. And by the time it was like a minute in into our dancing, people went crazy. They had to shut down the show. <laughs> and then we were overwhelmed by the response and then thought maybe we should continue with this dancing thing. So we started doing it outside the school. We were doing it in, in uh, we were invited by like other beauty uh, pageant shows to do it. So this is while I'm still in the choir, you know, um, but I was in a choral music uh, choir. I was in a gospel group. Um, I was dancing, you know, so anything that had to do with music, I was there. And then when I finished high school, uh, while I was in high school, I used to have a, a scrapbook where I used, I used to love art. So I used to draw a lot. And so when I finished, because the music thing came so natural, I didn't think it would be, you know, it was a short thing. So I was like caught up between choosing fine art and studying music. And and I went I went for music. So I studied music in, in the university uh, level. And yeah, <laughs> the rest is kind of like history. <laughs> um, and so when you were studying, is that when you were kind of working as a backing singer at that stage? Yes, yes. So we did that. There used to be a, like this woman, like... Uh, may her soul rest in peace. Her name is Busim Shongo. She was one of like, I'd never seen anything like that. So what happened is one of our lecturers at school was playing keyboards in her band. So she used to bring her to do workshops as a professional artist, talk to the students, you know. Uh, that's how I first got exposed to music. And she was a big superstar. And she was signed to a label from London. Um, she then had what we were doing. We had uh, now our own student group. We we're producing music in the, in the school studio. She liked what we were doing. Introduced us to the record label she was signed to. They also signed us. So we got a recording deal while we were music students. And within the recording label, there were different artists. We would back each other up, you know. So while we were studying music, we were doing our own thing. We were doing backing vocals at the same time. She just exposed us to it and like an entire different world. Mm. 
that's really really beneficial to have that kind of introduction um but with sort of a trusted figure yeah. it sounds like everything you'd worked on up until that point had been very much like with a group like in that community kind of setting always with people yeah tell me a bit about how it was for you kind of branching out as a solo artist and what were the kind of main differences you noticed from being in a group uh, so what happened is the guy who had signed us uh roberts the guy who had signed us we had a meeting with him because we wanted to we we felt like we we understood things better we wanted to be released uh from the rec the recording contract that we had with him we wanted to do our own thing and so we had a meeting with him and he agreed to you know give us the clearance give us our blessings and in that meeting he says but I would like Nati to remix a project for me, to to do a remix project for me, you know, which it freaked me out. It really shocked me because I was always hiding behind the other guys, you know, like I was never vocal enough. I was never confident enough. I was always just bubbling under, you know. Uh, I was that one in the group. You know, people used to ask, like, what does that guy do? You know, and this guy says, I want to do remix an album. You know, it's, it was a big thing. And that was the beginning, you know, because then I was like, I'd, I'd love to, you know. But still, I insisted to work with my guys because these are my friends and I was living with them. I'm like, as long as I work with them, he says, I don't care who you work with but I want your ear. I want you, you know, and that changed my life. Like having a, a person believe in me in that way. And so he was like, what do you need? I said, I, actually, I don't have anything. I don't have a computer to make music. He was like, okay, I'll pick you up tomorrow morning. We're going to go buy a computer. And that's what we did. He bought me one of those iMacs that were like, one screen, like big chubby screen. The bubble one. And yes, yes, yes. I had that iMac with Logic uh, music program in. That's it. And a pair of headphones. And I started working and I started improving. I started getting better. I started getting better, you know, like, but it was just me. It was just my thing now. I was doing my thing. And it gave me so much confidence to, to, to start. So you started on quite a simple setup, which I'm sure has evolved quite a lot um, since then. But I'd like to know, how has your kind of process of creating evolved? And are there any kind of set things or like pillars of your practice that you imagine that you'll kind of carry over no matter how many new pieces of equipment you get or, you know, beautiful studios that you work in? It's actually... It hasn't changed because um, I got so used to it. Um, and I think I even struggle today to have studios or a studio because I'll have it at home. Uh, but I, because I, I don't spend so much time in one place, I'm used to making songs on my headphones. That's how I started. So, I, like, I finished the entire album on this iMac. Literally, like, I would type out the notes. Like, I would 
writes them with the cursor, like the chords I wanted, the bass line I wanted, and that's how I started. And today, I mean, uh, Logic allows you to use the same keyboard to play keys. So I still work on my on my laptop. The only difference now is, um, besides me working a lot with other people, I I involve people who mix the songs now. I used to do everything myself before, except for mastering. And now when it's done, I send it to other people to help with the mixing and uh, so that it sounds like it then gets mixed in a big studio, even though it was made on a laptop. But that's where I'm comfortable working. I work better hearing everything on headphones than in a big room. You know, I can listen to it as playback, but it's better when I I play it in my headphones when I'm making it. So that's the difference. The difference is I, I allow it to now be mixed by other people and make it sound better. What tips could you share for people who are kind of at the early stages of their career for persistency and how to stay focused and productive at the early stages of a career? One is to spend time in what they want, you know, in what they love. You really need to put in the hours. You know, that's also how you're going to know if it's something that you really like or you're just following trends. You know, you just really need to, to put in the time. Before, people even recognize your first song out there because that's how you're going to make the second one because you have been practicing, you know. You have created a sound for yourself that you are comfortable with. People are able to say, that sounds like a black coffee song. You know, because you've put in the hours, whether it's DJing or pro producing music, I just feel like a lot of work needs to happen before you're on stage. You know, uh, maybe when you're a professional DJ and then you booked, you don't have to practice much, but just before you get that opportunity to play on the stage, you really need to put in hours, like spend so much hours in, in what you, you you truly like you know even outside music you know uh if you want to be a doctor if you want to be a surgeon you need to know who was the best surgeon you need to know why you need to uh look into how you can be different you know how you can elevate what they've started before you and take it to another level you know, are you bringing something into the game, you know, or are you just going to come in and just bubble under, you know, because that's where joy is, you know, when when you get in and you you make a difference, not just for yourself, but even for people that are following you, you know, uh, I just think for me, that's always the key, like in whatever that you want to do, just you spend as much time as you can. Mm -hmm. um, so you were part of the Red Bull Music Academy in, was it 2003? Yeah. What did you kind of really take on board from that experience? Because obviously the program doesn't exist anymore. Um, yeah. But I would like to know, like, what was it for you that 
you took from that? A lot. I took a lot from it. Um, when I went there, um, I remember it was at the time when I was um, making those songs, those remixes already, and trying to find a sound for myself. And um, I didn't have the Black Coffee name by then. Actually, the Black Coffee name was launched there. Uh, because I had to, I had to write on the form my DJ name, and I used to use my name Nati as my DJ name, and I just felt like I need to be serious now. You know, I'm invited to this thing. Here's a form. What must I write? And that's where I officially wrote Black Coffee. And when I was chosen and I was given a, like a, a tag with black coffee, it was such a strange thing because this was now the first time I was officially called black coffee. And half the time I wasn't responding because <laughs> it was so new to me, you know. Um, but that place changed everything for me because it exposed me to different creatives from different parts of the world. You know, it kind of like it solidified my dream of making music or even playing music internationally, you know, because after coming back, we had exchanged emails, you know, we had vibe in studio and you know, we were like, we need to keep sending each other songs. It was an important thing. And then in my mind, I was like, I need to send music that will make sense to these guys. You know, I need to, and English is more of the universal language in music. And then I started doing some of the songs in English, uh, which is something we never did with the group. So that was like the first thing that was different about me on my own that I wanted to have a bigger appeal because of going to the academy. I understood that uh, if I send this song to Munich or to Austria, it, it must make sense. So it, it, changed, it changed my perspective or my view in creating music for the, for the international market. That, that's the main thing. Yeah, it sounds like you really took a lot from having that experience and that space to kind of try things and reach out to different countries. Um, and it, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that that program doesn't exist anymore. But um, I've heard about your kind of work in the community and and I'd love to hear a bit more about that, specifically the Africa is Not a Jungle initiative. Like, tell me a bit about what that entails and how you kind of put things into practice. Um, basically, I started a foundation called Black Coffee, uh, DJ Black Coffee Foundation. Uh, launched it in uh, 10 years ago, actually. Um, with a crazy, crazy show. I did a 60-hour DJ marathon to launch the, the foundation. Um, 
one of the most amazing things I've ever done. Uh, and when we started, what I wanted to focus on was to assist people with uh, disabilities. And uh, which is something we've done, we've worked with homes, we've worked with individuals, we've done things for, for, for different causes. But living in a country like mine, there's a lot of people that are in need. So you, you end up overlapping and doing other things like um, this other time there was a, uh, a, a storm, there was a big heavy storm. So we had to get involved in the storm relief, you know, and, and so in the end, we now do almost everything, you know, uh, wherever we can. And people say we need this kind of help. Uh, we, we come on board. And one of the things that I, we also do, we have a bursary with uh, the college called SAE, where every year there's a student that is taken to school by the foundation. We have that collaboration with the school and it's been happening for over five years now. Um, so we have that partnership as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's some of the things that we do. And is there a sector that brings music into what you do? No, there isn't not in the foundation, but there's something else that I'm working on um, with two friends of mine. One is a... Um, an, a visual artist, another one is a clothing designer. And um, we've started something called FAM, which is fashion art and music. And it, it's, a, it's a, a big collaboration. So our biggest dream is to create a college for fashion art and music, you know, and one of our biggest ambitions is to have, and we had a meeting with one of Africa's most renowned architects called Sir David Ajay uh, to design the school for us. He's an architect who was globally celebrated. Home is Ghana, and that's where he lives now. He moved back to Ghana. And uh, we just feel like he's a, it becomes a big part of the story that we're trying to tell. Basically, growing up African has always been, we've always been underdogs. Whether because of how we see ourselves or because of what we were told. But in the end, it just became a mentality thing where growing up in Africa, you always think if I can go live in America, I'll be better. If I can go study in America, I'll get better education. If I can go study in London, I'll, I'll get better education. So there's all these things. And that's a narrative that we're trying to change. Uh, like the fashion designer studied in, in London um because of the same thing so we want to create a school where um 
African kids actually know that the best school for fashion, art, and music. It's not Harvard. It's in, it's in South Africa, you know, and grow it into Ghana, grow it into Rwanda, grow it into Nigeria, wherever we can go, you know, and that's the bigger picture. Uh, because we, we believe Africa has the great minds in this space, in the fashion, art and music space, always been, we just need to believe more in ourselves and we want to be part of that conversation. Yeah. And so getting, getting said, David Ajay being part of the story as an African who's, who's global, got to a point where he's knighted Sir David Ajay shows, you know, that it's not just in music, even architects from the continent, you know. Uh, so we want to tell a story uh, of Africa, but it, it told by Africans. Before we move into speaking about your current album, um, I just wanted to touch on DJing briefly, even though obviously a lot less of that has been happening lately. Um, there was something that you were describing about the energy of when you did that very first um, talent pageant um, fundraiser back in school days um, of yeah. sort of capturing people's attention and bringing them into the same level of energy that you're kind of giving out is that something that you apply to a normal dj set definitely um for me djing is, is such a a spiritual healing thing you know uh i feel like just before i play or even after I always feel like it's a power I possess, you know, less than to get there and rock, but more to get there and connect and 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 bring beautiful emotions, love, um, peace, and just healing. I just... I watch people when I play and I get so much satisfaction when I see what the music does to them. And it's less seeing them so fucked up, but more seeing them so much at peace and, and they um, really understanding what I'm doing and they're getting it. That's how I see it for me. So every time I play, it's like my playlists, um, I feel like they a two-hour set is like one song that starts a certain way and, and it builds up and it drops into 
a little break and a bridge and and it climbs and but it's as a listener that's what i want you to hear like this is where we started and this is how this one song started and wow as it goes you're like wow this is a good song and it keeps going like this this one song is amazing and that's how i see my my djing sets that's how i work on them where when i find new songs i find songs that are gonna fit the palette and the color that i have already you know and when i then remove others and replace them with newer ones in my head they must fit the story you know and sometimes the story is depending you know the emotion can be a little bit too much you know uh you see it's like you find people crying you know and sometimes it's like so, so joyful and you, you you find people don't know what to, to really do and that's how i see it for me when i walk out of a gig and having experienced that and i feel like wow people really really you know felt what i was doing then, I, then I'm, I'm satisfied that's why mm-hmm. i've always never considered myself a big stage festival until then tomorrowland was like we'll give you the main stage which was one of the biggest things for me and which was i was so nervous because it's tomorrowland main stage you know and it's not just on the djing side people are like heavy hitters even the crowd itself is coming there expecting that you know, and here I am, you know, so mellow, so full of melodies and, you know, uh, and but it, in the end, it became one of the most amazing experiences that I've, I've had, like, just outside always considering myself the, more of a club DJ, more of a more intimate space and, you know, because I want to corner people into feelings, you know, and, but seeing it happen in in a bigger stage you know like is one of the most most amazing things mm. what do you think you had to do to sort of help that energy translate to such a big scale just i find uh, still like emotional but more punchier songs you know, like, and if I'm going to throw in something that's a little bit too mellow, then I know the song after is going to have to be more punchier. It's just understanding that, like, the pace here, I, I'll still keep my tempo, you know, whether I stick to 121 or 122, I'm going to keep my tempo because I'm so used to that tempo. When I go 123, the songs they don't sound nice to me but it's just understanding that i need the punch so when i when i'm creating a folder i need to make sure that i give people a bit of everything absolutely well you must be missing it terribly then djing to the people it's a mess <laughs> it's a mess i mean a friend of mine has a radio show he was like do you want to do like residency 
uh, in December and just play once a week. I was like, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to get back out there soon. Yes, yes. Well, I want to hear all about your album. Starting with the title, actually, why did you name this body of work subconsciously? Subconsciously is a song I did with uh, Sabrina Claudio. Um, so it's the title track of the album, basically. And the reason it's a title track is because I just feel like it kind of like sums up where I am, you know, uh, this is, I believe there's two sides to me. There's me as a producer, there's me as a, as a DJ. And I've always separated the two. Like I've always understood that as a producer, I don't make songs that I, I'm gonna play. You know, I hardly make songs that I'm gonna play. Uh, I make songs that people can play in their homes when driving, when on the beach, when whatever they want to do. You know, people don't have to wait for the weekend to make to play my music. And that's I'm very deliberate about that. And subconsciously it just became that song that just encompassed that. Like it has the right tempo, it has the right vocal. It's not trying to be a dance song. At the same time, it's not a ballad. It's just in between. You know, I love everything, the strings, the piano, you know, and obviously Sabrina's singing and writing skills. You know, um, it just, it summed up everything for me. Hence, I called the album, because I, people do that when they get an album, they will go to the title track first to understand it. You know, and I, I felt like that's the song that sums up the album. For sure. So how long has this record been in the making and has the global pandemic shaped the album in any way? Um, it did. I mean, we, we have been working for a while and obviously with uh, restrictions on traveling, there's a lot we couldn't do. Uh, but still, I mean, I work on my laptop, I send stuff to people, they send it back, you know, that's been the process, you know, without being in the same room anymore, you know, and, but it also helped a little bit because then there was more time to find and add other songs. Like there's a song that we added last called Get Lost, uh, which I'm doing with a friend of mine from Greece, DJ Angelo. Uh, we had wrapped up the album you know, and this, I'm like, we have to have this on the album too. You know, uh, so it's been, it hasn't been easy, but at the same time, it did work on, on my advantage, you know, uh, the fact that there was more time, people were home, people had time in studio and everything that we needed to deal with, we dealt with. Mm. There are some really huge collaborations on here, like so many to mention. Obviously, you've got the big names like Pharrell, Diplo, Cassie, but um, I would really love to hear about the artists and the vocalists that you worked with who are perhaps 
slightly smaller than those big artists. Um, yeah. Were there any kind of special moments when you heard the voices of people like Celeste that really struck you? Celeste you know, is one of those, you know, when I heard it and I got sent the song, it was just her voice and the piano. And apparently the song was for her album, but didn't make the album. So it was excluded from the album and I was told if you want the song. And so I was just blown away by how it was written and how she was singing. Then got the separate, started working, involved Sanel, a South African producer, to work with me. He just took it to another level. And then when she heard it, she was like, oh, I'd like to re-record it. It sounds amazing, but I don't like the vocals anymore. I want to re-record them. And so she did. And I listened to the new vocals. I'm like, hmm, I prefer the old ones. <laughs> Not to her. I was just like, I love the old ones. So I took a little bit of the new stuff and in between, you know, because I felt like the, the first one, you, she, whatever she was saying, she was believable. You know, um, then there's uh, Una Rams, uh, South African boy, truly, truly talented. Um, one of my favorite artists, actually. His song called um, Flavor. Uh, it's a song that's been there. Um, remember, I played it to Swiss Beats when New York went crazy over the song he was like can i have this song for my album please 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 and i was like no man for my like he was like no I, trust me give this song to me i'm gonna get the right features and make it better you know so eventually he was like okay that's cool you can have the song and fast forward He's like, so I'm like, how's the song going? He's like, actually, I don't have the song anymore. Alicia Keys took it. She had it and she took it. So now it's going to have Alicia Keys. Actually, she wants to put Justin Timberlake on it. I was like, I couldn't hear Justin Timberlake, though, listening to the song. I mean, but it was a big thing. I was like, wow, the song is going, you know. Um, then I waited and waited and waited and waited to hear this new version and nothing came. And then I then I thought my I need to wrap up my album. I was like, bro, I need the song. You know, uh, if you don't mind, because there's no movement on your side. And he was like, yeah, it's okay. Then I added another South African artist called Telemann on it to do a second verse. And yeah, that's flavor. But that's how far the song comes from. Like when you played it in or like Swiss lost his mind. And then his wife was also like, I'm taking this song. You know, but it just also just shows like the talent we have on the continent that we may even ourselves underestimate. Uh, so he had worked with a producer called C Beats originally on the song, who was like really brilliant. 
and yeah so that's flavor and then there's msaki who's a, a songwriter of notes one of my favorite artists one of my favorite songwriters um we did wish you were here for the album one of the most beautiful songs actually that i've worked, ever worked on and she's part of the, the album and i'm proud of those people you know for me uh, yes i have everyone else but the plug is when you discover who una Rams is in a black coffee song like and you become a fan you know that's the plug rather than um you're like oh it's so and so i know already you know the plug is when you know then there's maxine with the single that we just released uh i saw the stats last night it was top 10 most listened song in america which is a big big thing for me like really really big um it's one of my favorite favorite songs on the album as well like <clears throat> everything about it the approach songwriting the production it just sits there it can be on anyone's playlist you know because it's not saying anything it's not saying i'm i'm a ballad i'm i'm, I'm jazz i'm house it just says i'm music you know it's one of the songs that I'm really, really, really proud of. Also worked with, with this one, uh, with Sanel on this one as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically about it. If I'm not counting the, the big artists, the David Getters, the Ashers, the Pharrells, you know, mm -hmm. and the it's on the album, Deep Low, yeah. Yeah. So how do you go about sourcing and selecting and elevating these more up-and-coming vocalists and producers? Um, the up-and-coming ones, I mean, in South Africa, I think 80% of people can sing, you know, if not all, for real. Like, we were having dinner here last night. They had this big fireplace with the ball mind, the stuff that works here. And I'm not saying the choir, I'm saying the staff came to sing for us, like the guy was playing drums I, I was blown away and you know and this is not their job they're just the staff everyone here can sing so everyone's always looking for opportunities you know to to do stuff and so i'm always on the lookout you know i've always been interested in finding these talents even in my previous projects you know i've worked with mostly unknown unknown artists who have like the best talents. So what stage in your kind of music journey would you say that you feel this record represents? I'm hearing a certain elevation and in a way reaping the reward of years of exploration and refining and kind of honing in on your craft but also alongside it there's like a confidence and a braveness ready of global domination and kind of not shying away from reaching as many people as you can not shying away from pop yep. what do you feel about the stage in your career that this record represents or reflects that's exactly where i am you know and I'm, I'm super proud of it um it's always very hard to explain what i'm trying to do 
you know, like if one was to ask me like two years before, what are you doing? How's your album going to sound like? I wouldn't be able to explain, you know, because there was no genre. You know, when I wanted to work with Pharrell, we didn't decide, okay, this is the tempo. You know, we were just like got into the studio at first. We were like, we're going to vibe. We're going to see what works. When I got in studio with Sabrina Claudio, same thing uh, with Josie, we were working. Like, we just, we just did what we felt was nice. You know, that's it. And that's, this album is exactly that, you know, uh, different tempos. And I'm from a school of releasing house music albums where I'll mix them. 12 songs, non-stop, continuous mix. That's where I come from. And now I've been learning to create different kinds of like projects. And I think this is a great, a giant step. You know, um, where everything is there, you know, for every listener. And, you know, um, like you're saying, I'm embracing anything. If song is good for radio, radio must take it. And albums are there for that. Like, you don't have to like every song. Pick one, put it on repeat, I'm good. We have 7 billion people in the world. You know, just pick one. Pick one that you like. Uh, you don't have to like all of them. I think albums are for that, you know, like um, for different people, different moods, different days, you know, and this album is exactly that. It's like different seasons. I love that. Um, so before you go today, we've kind of already spoken about nurturing talent and um, plugging people in and putting people on. Um, are there any new local artists that you're really excited about that you want to tell everyone about today? There's a lot. I mean, South Africa is uh, one of the the artists that I like really, really, really um, um, love at the moment. I don't know. Like, there's a guy called Sanel Musician, who's not new, like literally on his album, his album is like the melting pots of talent, of South African talent. And it's such a beautiful thing to watch, you know, like, you know, he has a, I don't know how many songs, but it's a big album. And every fe feature is like, artists you don't know. Like one of the girls that I really like at the moment is a lady called uh, Ami Faku, who's a singer, like, and he knows how to produce for all these people and make each song belongs, you know? Um, I think we're also as a country at a place where we are more confident. Not everyone is trying to do the same thing you know, which is why I love Una Rams. You know, he's just doing his own thing. Um, and 
Telaman was also on the song. He's doing his own thing. Saga is doing her own thing. Everyone is like so confident in doing, you know, it's not like, oh, you want to make it. You have to do house music. You know, everyone is just doing. And so we are a country that is now ready, you know, for, for the world. Well, thank you for all those tips. Lots of artists to check out there. Uh, and thank you for speaking with me today. It's oh, been amazing you, to hear man. about your journey so far and where you're headed and all about the album. Subconsciously lands on the 5th of February. So everyone can go and check it out then. Black Coffee, thank you so much. Thank you, Mother. Thanks very much. hope you enjoyed hearing from Black Coffee as much as I did. If you'd like to learn in depth about his formative years and early career, take a look at Black Coffee's episode of our Origins film series. You can find that on Resident Advisors YouTube channel or over at ra.co forward slash films. Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange. We'll have a new episode for you next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in. And if you find something you love, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts as it helps get our stories to more ears. Music